before the podcast, a quick note for our listeners that there's a bit of audio distortion around minute 32. It does clear up after a minute or so. So if you bear with us, um, the podcast will uh, continue um, unaffected by that after about minute 33 or 34. So apologies for the inconvenience. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Like Father, Like Son, Like Movies. I'm Sam Feldstein, the titular son, and with me, as always, is my co-host and father, Stuart. Love me tender. (laughs) I knew you were going to do that. (laughs) Love me sweet. You know, he does a pretty good... uh, Is that his voice? I think it's his voice. Him singing. I believe. You're referring to Nicolas Cage, the one and only. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's amazing. We can talk more about that. Uh, today on the show, we're talking about um, two movies. We're talking about, well, we're always talking about two movies. We're talking about Way of the Gun and Wild at Heart. The They both start with W. Um, that's the first commonality between them. But we'll talk about other commonalities um, throughout the show. But before we get into that, I want to ask I want to ask you something, Dad. Um, should you not be the host of this podcast why should I be the host of this podcast? I think you do it because just a job. <laughs> that's not the point. The point is like whoever the host is, it makes it seem like it's their show. And this is not my show. This is, I feel very much your show. And what I mean by that is it's your brainchild and it's your um, quest to get me to watch all the movies that you tried to get me to watch as a kid. I think we're on, we're on your journey with this podcast. That's my argument. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's an argument. I mean, I think it's our podcast, and I feel like it's a shared journey. Uh, uh-huh. And this episode is going to be uh, an example of that, as you um, selected a film that I had never seen. And um, so that was uh, an experience I would not have had, um, except for uh, for your contribution. So I think it's a shared, That's true. A shared thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it is partially, but I, I don't know. I do kind of feel like there's something off about me being the host. Hmm. That's how I feel. I don't know. I think let's ask the listeners to write in and see what, see what they think. Um, uh-huh. But uh, I, I, think, I think hosting duties. Will you, stand, uh, will you stand by it if they agree with me? I will stand by whatever the majority will uh, wants of us, yes. Okay. That's yeah. good to know. Well, anyway, I guess uh, we didn't really settle anything there, but we can go ahead and move on. Before we get into the discussion, let's talk about what we are watching. Dad, do you want to start? Sure. Uh, So a couple things I watched uh, recently. One is a movie on Hulu, um, and it stars Karen Gillan. It's by the guy who directed um, The Art of Self-Defense with Jesse Eisenberg from a few years Mm -hmm. ago. I love Um, that movie. I like that movie too. It's got a weird kind of offbeat humorous tone. Super offbeat. This has kind of a similar vibe to it. It's called Duel. Um, And the premise of the movie is in in a future, um, if you are dying, you can have yourself cloned. And then um, after you die, your clone will take over your place in the world so that your loved ones aren't too um, heartbroken. But what happens if the diagnosis turns out to be wrong and you live? 
then you have to fight your clone to the death. <laughs> and that's, that's the premise of Duel. Um, it sounds funnier than it is. Yeah, um, it's actually it's actually kind of a downer, uh, yeah. to be honest. But um, Karen Gillan is always amazing. And there were some some mm. interesting moments in the film. So that was one that I watched recently. Mm-hmm. And the other one kind of in the same vein, I don't know what was got into me, but um, I watched a movie that I had never seen that I'd heard a lot about called Battle Royale. Um, oh, yeah, it's a Japan. Have you? It's a Japanese film. Yeah. Um and it's kind of like the Hunger Games before the Hunger Games. Um, right. A group of students are shipped off to an island against their will and forced to fight each other to the death. So I don't know. I was into movies about fighting your, yourself to the death. That's what it sounds like. Uh, the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I've actually Battle seen Ra- Battle Royale. I don't remember it very well, though. Yeah. Well, um, I knew the premise. I was prepared to be scandalized uh, because it's basically children, you know, killing each other um but it's actually somehow comes together in a in a uh pretty uh interesting and worthwhile way so i didn't i didn't feel quite as scandalized as i thought i was going to be um and then when it you know when you remember that just maybe you're more okay with children killing each other than you thought you were (laughs) that's probably it but uh (laughs) When I remembered that, that's exactly what the Hunger Games is about. It's like, I, well, I guess this isn't so off the, out there. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a freaking mainstream. Yeah, it's a mainstream <laughs> property, Hunger Games. So, everybody Oscar nominated. It. Yeah, right. Um, I uh, I enjoyed Battle Royale. It's uh, uh, okay. you know not not for everybody, but that's what I was for sure. I've been watching recently. How about you? Yeah, I well, let's see. I watched um, uh, the first episode of The Last of Us. I'm not caught up yet. Um, first episode, I'll keep going. I'm interested enough, but so far I don't just based on that episode alone, I don't see what all the fuss is about, but, um, hearing great things about the show in general and people are raving about one episode in particular. I think it's episode three. Um, Mm -hmm. so I'll just have to get caught up and, and see what's going on. But I really enjoy, um, Craig Mays and I listen to his podcast with John August. Um, so I enjoy him as a creator and, uh, I'm not familiar with Neil Druckmann. I don't know if you know. He's the co-creator. I don't know if you're familiar with anything else he's done. Uh, but What's the name of the podcast? Script Notes. It's a podcast okay. about screenwriting and things that are interesting to screenwriters. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so there's that. And then I read all of Preacher, the entire series, which is like nine yep. volumes. So I read all of it. It was really, really good. I got wrapped up in it. So That's a lot of Preacher. It's a lot of Preacher. But would recommend. I think that show went off the air. It's not they're not making any new ones. No. Are they? I don't I think no so. Idea. Never watched it. Okay. Uh I have been watching The Last of Us and um I did see episode three and it is unusual. Um I'm not raving about it. It's it's a lot of what if you've seen Zombie Apocalypse slash um you know, uh, you know, dystopian road road trip movies. Um, you've seen this movie. You've seen this show. Um, yeah. So if there's a if there's a genius to it, it's in you know the the way that they um, structure the story and um, some of the risks that they take. Um, the third episode is like almost an hour and a half long, so it's quite um, 
quite an unusual structure for a, for a television series. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't made up my mind. I was I was going to drop it, and then I read everything about the third episode that you read and thought, oh, I'll check it out and <laughs> watched it, and it was okay. I mean, I I mean, I'm not grieving <laughs> about it like a lot of the people yeah, do. It doesn't sound like you're under the, the spell. Didn't work on. I'm not under like... the spell, and so you know. But okay. I'm sure I'll get sucked back in when they write that episode four is a more amazing than episode three. Yeah, right. You know. Anyway. Yeah. Well, off the yeah, I'm I'm at the very least curious to know what what people are talking about. But yeah, as far as premises go, it's not anything terribly original. It's like there's a kid; she no. represents hope for the future and in, in a post post apocalyptic like that'll that'll feels pretty, you know, par for the course. So yeah, yeah. I'm just interested to see where. And I never played the games, so I have no idea what to expect. Um, right from the show plot wise like I know nothing about the story so right mm-hmm. just to me there doesn't seem to be any surprises in it but okay um, anyway well shall we talk about these two um, feature films that we have picked for our discussion the way today of the gun and wild at heart so you picked way of the gun correct and you had not seen it before I had not seen it before right um, yeah I picked that uh, watched it for the first time in I don't know, probably college. I might have been in grad school, but I was still in my early 20s, um, which is exactly who this movie is for. I feel like it's men in their early 20s is who this movie is for. Um, mm-hmm. This is Christopher McQuarrie's first feature film, I believe. I don't know. Oh, if this came after this came after Usual Suspects, I think. Are you sure? No. <laughs> OK, let's <laughs> we might have to cut out some dead air here, but let's double check because I was. I was certain, actually, that it was his first. Uh-huh. Christopher McQuarrie. Yeah, you're totally right. right. This was five years. This was five years after the Usual Suspects. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah. yeah did not know that. So, yeah, he's like uh, uh, he's like a person at the time that he made this movie. Um, and when I first saw it, I was really I was really uh, impressed with this movie the first time I saw it. And I think I was watching it because. Maybe Mission Impossible Fallout had come out around that time, and I think that's why I came across it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I was really impressed with it the first time. I will say, maybe not uh, as taken with it when I watched it this this time around as I was, um, you know, however many years ago. But um, I still enjoyed it. I still think it's good. I think it's fun sometimes, and then it gets really, really kind of sad um, towards the end, or at mm-hmm. least bleak. Um, yeah. But yeah, in general, I still liked it. Um, I wasn't as blown away as I thought I would be. What did you think? Yep. Upon seeing this Way for the, the first gun. time, um, not a not a huge fan of it. Um, I enjoyed things about it. Um, it was definitely warmed over Tarantino. Um, I thought sure. it was definitely dr- drafting off of Tarantino's uh, Pulp Fiction uh, sensation. And trying to uh, recreate some of some of that vibe. Uh, don't think it did a particularly good job. Didn't think the story was easy to follow. Sometimes I was very confused about what was happening. Um, it is. A and didn't really. Story. Yeah, and didn't. Um, uh, you know, I think I think it was intended uh, to be a redemption story and i don't think it was particularly successful at that so do you think it was i don't think it was a redemption story for who who got redeemed for the 
uh, the two lunkheads. Um, I don't think that's right the, at all. That that final voiceover, um, which uh-huh. I didn't write down, but uh-huh. I think that's all about you know trying to say that these characters were somehow redeemed and no, they weren't. <laughs> I, no, but I don't think I don't think that's what it was at all. I think it's a totally cynical movie. Yeah. I think it's completely yeah. cynical. I don't think there's any redemption at the end. I don't remember the exact wording of the ending voiceover either, but I don't remember thinking that it meant that they had found some sort of salvation. I don't think that's what I got from that at all. Hmm. I had that definite impression. I'm going to look it up uh-huh. while we talk. Um, yeah, I'm not finding it quickly. But anyway, oh, wait a minute. Maybe that was it. Uh, no. Um so, uh, yeah, I definitely had that impression of it. Hmm. I could, but the last scene of the movie is is the lady telling her husband, what's that girl, uh, something layman, Kristen Layman, who plays the wife of the rich guy. Her yeah. whole deal for the whole movie is, I don't want to get pregnant myself, so we hired this other lady to be a surrogate, and then at the end, she decides, or somewhere during the course of the movie, she decides, oh, actually, I think I could carry my own child. And at the end, she tells the dude he's pregnant, which renders the whole movie moot. Right. It's it's basically just right. like a giant fuck you to everybody at the end. It's just saying, like, none yeah. of this needed to happen. And, at the end. and probably and that's pregnant why th- with yeah. the other guy, with, with the, uh, the bodyguard's yeah, with, baby. Uh, yeah, Tay Diggs. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we should say, as always, full spoilers for all movies on this podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, to me, the end is just, like, totally, like, yep, everything's fucked. That's what the movie yeah. is saying, basically. Yeah. So it's just, in that sense, uh, you know, just pretty uh, annihilistic kind of a mm-hmm. of a film. Um, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of, maybe it was maybe it was intended to be ironic, that, that final voiceover, but um, yeah. it didn't work that way on me yeah okay yep so should i mention what i paired it with then uh yeah sure so what do we pair with way of the gun which i had never seen before and when i first read the description of it i had an inclination that i told you about and you said that was against the rules i needed to watch it before i picked my do you um, not think that's a good pair you should watch the movie before you should see it the movie be before fun. you pair something with it, right? It could be fun. It could be fun either way. Um, sure. But in any case, that's what I did. I watched the film, and then after watching the film, I paired it with Wild at Heart. Uh-huh. Um, David Lynch, 1990. Uh, I'm a big David Lynch fan. Are you a big mm-hmm. David Lynch fan? Not really. No? No. I've well, only we'll seen find out more about that. This. I've seen this, <laughs> and I've, th- I've seen Mulholland Drive, I guess. That's basically it. Yeah. Okay, you have seen Mulholland Drive. Mm-hmm. What'd you think of that one? Yeah, good. Liked it. I like the part where yeah. it's just a total digression to that hotel room. Do you remember what I'm talking about? And there's that guy who murders a guy, and then it's this whole sequence where he accidentally shoots somebody through the wall, and then he has to like deal with it. It's just like this domino effect of he's trying to clean up after himself. It's really yeah. funny. I love that part. Yeah. But it has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. I thought it was great. Do you like the dumpster monster? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. He's like a dude in a ghillie suit is what I remember. <laughs> um, David Lynch is a unique individual. And, He's uh, a weird dude. And uh, 
very weird dude and a, and a weird filmmaker. Wild at Heart seemed like a good pairing. Around the yeah. same time, uh, Partners in Crime kind of a film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's what I was uh, looking for when I was looking for something to share with you. And also, again, um, something that um, in this case I do love and uh, wanted to get your take on it. So that's mm-hmm. yeah. It's interesting that you say it's interesting that you say partners in crime though because Wild at Heart I I really I know what you mean but it's not really there's not even that much crime going on in that movie and what crime there is going on in that movie Laura Dern has nothing to do with any of it so it's really uh, it's more like Lovers on the Run movie it's more like Thelma Lovers on the Run you're right you're right they they uh, they he breaks parole and she goes with him and that's about Mm -hmm. the extent of her involvement in anything criminal. Right. Um, but it's, you know, um, um, two people on the run, road movie, um, kind of a experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what do we, now what? <laughs> now back to, <laughs> now we talk to these, now we talk to these movies. So way of the gun. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. We'll start there. I love an opening. Where you see the main characters, but the camera doesn't acknowledge that they're the main characters immediately. Yeah, love yeah. that. Um, both these so movies that was fun. open with both these movies open with a bang, don't they? A brutal beating of someone. Yes. Uh, in in <laughs> Way of the Gun, it's the two, it's Ryan Philippe and uh, Benicio del Toro getting beat up by a bunch of I don't even know who they are. Are they supposed to be like high schoolers? They're just like a bunch of people waiting in line for something. Yeah. Youngish kids just waiting hanging in out. line to get into a club or something. Yeah. Maybe that's what it was. But, and then, uh, yeah. Uh, wow. The heart. Yeah. Dude tries to stab Nicholas cage and he beats him to death. Yeah. Yeah. They do in the first the two minutes. Yep. Plus you're, you're in way of the gun. Your ears get assaulted by Sarah Silverman. Yes. Yeah. That was another thing when I first saw this movie, I was like, is that Sarah Silverman? That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. She just comes out swinging. Yeah. It's so funny. Then she gets punched in the face, which is so funny. That's hilarious to me. But yeah. I that, had that, and that's very like high expectations. I had very high hopes for Way of the Gun uh-huh. after that opening scene. It's like, this movie is going to rock. So you enjoyed never, the opening scene? I did. I did. But it never fulfilled that promise to me. No? didn't yeah it uh the promise is like this movie yet yeah, doesn't doesn't like it's going to be a lot of fun it's going to be rowdy you know the rule the normal rules are going to be broken like he's punching a woman in the face <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. that's the promise it makes but it's kind of a downer at the end yeah but even in the middle <laughs> um so uh Again, it's kind of a, it's trying to be a Tarantino knockoff kind of, um, they're doing their, um, you know, wacky opening with these two guys who are selling their blood and their sperm to try and, you know, pick up a few bucks and they stumble into this opportunity to kidnap Juliet Lewis, who's surrogating for this, this money launderer, uh, for the mob, um, and I never quite got why um, he was worried uh, about the payoff, right? Because they kept making a big point about the fact that 
um, he needed to he needed to keep quiet this whole situation with the kidnapping because uh, of the people that he worked for. They could trace the money back to his employers. But what kind of a money launderer are you if your money can be traced back to your employers? It's yeah. just kind of stupid. I, didn't, yeah. I just didn't get any of that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. A lot of that went over my head. I don't really... A lot of the machinations of the plot in this movie, I really wasn't... Uh, maybe I just wasn't trying hard enough, but I didn't I didn't understand a lot of it. I was just trying to trying to follow the main... The two main characters and like, I get what they want. I get what they're after and I get like why it might be dangerous. So I'm with it there. But yeah, yeah. all that other stuff, nah, I didn't, didn't pick up on it. So they kidnap Juliette Lewis and then they go on the run. And then all of a sudden the movie just gets real quiet, right? And mm-hmm. and then it's all about, you know, who's sleeping with who and who's double crossing who. And it just gets to all be a bit much in the middle there and not much happens. There is a lot. I think there's a lot because there's, um, there's a number of relationships you have to keep track of. You have to keep track of Kristen Lehman's relationship with her husband but then also with the bodyguard tay diggs and then the bodyguards themselves are conniving at one point they're planning on stealing the money from themselves and then james khan has a personal personal interest because he it's revealed that he's juliet juliet lewis's dad so yeah you're there's a <laughs> there's it's just a this very like Gordian knot like it's very tangled up and it's kind of hard to unravel it in your head and and yeah it just it gets kind of confusing yeah and with hindsight it was very obvious that James Kahn who shows up uh uh in the middle of the picture um he's uh when the bodyguards who the money launderer sends to go recover the surrogate get arrested James Conn shows up to talk to them about what's going on and uh, he uh, issues a, a lot of, um, you know, like kind of Godfather style dialogue and uh, and then uh, walks out of the prison. Uh, you just were, you know, at that point, it just got so jumbled and confused in terms of just what's all going on here and then it cuts to the guy who's committing suicide who's (laughs) interrupted by james con who yeah you don't even know it's james con he's talking to right it 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 all just gets very confused and again kind of warmed over tarantino yeah yeah i do think it does try a little too hard to be cool i do think Mm -hmm. that's a problem with the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's parts where it succeeds. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, I think it just comes off as a little, like in its effort to be so kind of um, flippant, it, it comes off as the opposite. It comes off as kind of just working a little too hard to, to, to seem like it doesn't care. Yeah. 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 And then there's, so then there's it, scenes like, like, do you remember the hearts? Remember the heart scene? Like where they're playing cards the and the whole it's it's like they're playing hearts, oh, yeah. the card game, and it's it's like a, a solid two minute metaphor where they're explaining hearts, but it's also an extended metaphor for like I don't even know. Like it was so convoluted because I'm trying to understand that they're playing like 
because I don't know how to play hearts. And so I'm trying to understand how to play hearts <laughs> because they're explaining how to play hearts. But then I also realize that it's an extended metaphor. And I'm like, well, who's who's the heart in this scenario? And who's who's a jack? And then who's the queen? And they're like, fuck the queen. And it's like, I don't know who the queen is in this metaphor. Like, it was so good. <laughs> I, I was like going crazy by the end of that. And then I feel like if you cut it out of the movie, wouldn't matter. Probably be, you know, no. easy to follow. No. So, yeah, that was... Right. Yeah, I was a little confused. I think it could could have used some polishing in the in the script phase, probably. Oh, for sure. So one minute these guys are selling their blood and their sperm, the next minute they're kidnapping this woman. They're shooting more bullets than guns can really, uh, you know, have in their chamber <laughs> at any one time. Uh, yeah, there true. were a lot of gunshots in that scene at the hospital where they kidnapped yeah. Juliet Lewis. Yeah, and then you come outside uh, was, and by there's the way, only like two guys on the ground. It's like you shot. Yeah. Like, there were like 800 gunshots and you come outside and there's like two guys there. <laughs> yeah, where where are the other 50 people you killed? And who were they? But, and who were they? And where did they go? I guess but, they were back up. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but Juliet Lewis uh, is an interesting choice for that role because uh, she usually plays kind of a bad girl, you know, and in this um, role, she was really kind of innocent, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. She's been innocent before. She was in um, uh, Gilbert Grape, right? Oh, I never saw Gilbert Grape. Okay, I believe she's in that, and she plays, you know, very good-hearted kind of a character. Um, but you're probably mm-hmm. thinking of Natural Born Killers, maybe, among other things? Oh, a lot of things. Natural Born Killers, uh, Cape Fear. Mm-hmm. Um, never saw that one. You know, the the recent TV show, uh, Yellow Jackets. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been in a lot of things and usually yeah. plan, plan a little bit of a bad girl. Yeah. Maybe a she's lot different. of a bad girl. Yeah. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. there, was that a realistic amount of waddle? It seemed like a lot of waddle in her, uh, in her walk, her pregnant walk. That she was pregnant. Uh, I mean, she was very pregnant, um, she was. in that, in that, Conformation. Uh, yeah, she's I would say walking like okay. she just got off a horse. You know, she really should have died <laughs> with all the blood that was coming out of her. There's, she's getting uh, a C-section no that... without anesthetic. She should have passed out yeah. at the very least. That's what. Yeah, that was an unreal, uh, unrealistic depiction. I think of the trauma that a uh, 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 delivering mother would uh, experience. Yeah, um, but. Well, and what about her boyfriend, obstetrician? Was he Doogie Hauser or something? He looked like he was about 12. He, uh, so what's his relationship? That, that is his relationship to, to what's happening, is he became yeah. involved with her after she became a yeah. patient of his? Not clear, I, I guess. I think that was the implication. But he had a relationship she said, with, no, with um, what's the... Scott Wilson, he's the he's the rich husband of the lady who doesn't want to have her own baby, Kristen Lane. The money launderer guy. Uh yeah. so Scott Wilson and the uh doctor whose name is actor's name is Dylan Cussman, uh they knew each other before and there's something mm-hmm. Do you, did you ever figure out what they were referencing? Because they referenced something that happened in his past in Baltimore a number of times. And I never figured out. It sounded like a, like a pregnancy gone wrong. And then maybe he lost his license or something. Or had to like yeah. 
I don't know. And then he started working for this guy. Like, I, I don't, I don't really know. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what the relationship was. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah. I think he lost his license because he was 12. I mean, he had no business delivering babies. Yeah. Right. I'm yeah. um, sorry, sir. You're too a, young to be doing this. He's a child, <laughs> but, um, no, I never really got a handle on that. Um, yeah. So confusing. And it, it, uh, is revealed that the baby is actually his baby. Mm-hmm. Um, not, uh, from donated sperm of, of, uh, the money launderer. So right. they, if they got, yeah, I guess she was going to him for mm, fertility treatments or something. Somehow they got involved. Um, and, uh, right. And one thing led to another, yeah. you know, he was just, he was her girl and they love each other very much. Yeah. I don't know what the, what, what the specific type of doctor is but he's yeah he's overseeing her pregnancy basically right yeah yeah uh anyway that that was very unclear yeah. but um yeah yeah, yeah everybody's connected so in then, this movie it's in in ways that are like hard to follow but everyone's yeah. connected except for these two guys yeah so yeah it was uh you know, interesting to see a, a Christopher McQuarrie script that I hadn't seen before, but this one is, in my opinion, not very successful. And I think uh, from consulting the Rotten Tomatoes, uh, a lot of people agree that it's not it's not particularly successful. Do you like it his, has good his it has it, other it has its moments? Yeah. Do you like his other work? Well, um, what other work do I know of his? He, I know, obviously, the Usual, usual suspects, suspects, which I do and like. And two of the Mission Impossible the Mission movies, Impossible, I think. The Mission Impossible movies, yeah. The last two. Um, I do like those. I do. Yeah. yeah. I do, too. Um, but, uh, yeah, this one, I'd have to say it was a disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't enjoy it as much as I did the first time, like I said. Michael Kahn uh, doesn't move his neck. James Kahn. Oh, James Kahn doesn't move. Who's Michael yeah. Kahn? James Kahn doesn't move his neck know. in this movie. Yeah, I know. He must have had a, he must have ruptured a disc or something. Because that was <laughs> turning with his that, whole. You think that was a creative <laughs> choice? I don't know. It could have been. He's could like, been, hey, what if James? What if you didn't move your neck? And he's like, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, won't move my neck. Uh. Yeah, I, I, and you know, another question I had about the movie was why. So they they go on the run, they run to Mexico, they hole up in this motel, and then, at a certain moment, uh, the kidnappers Ryan Philippe and Benicio del Toro leave her alone in the motel room with a shotgun. Yep. And they're and they're going somewhere. What was that all about? No one said that they're smart i don't remember <laughs> i honestly don't know so there and there, there was that whole scene again kind of out of left field where ryan philippe is basically trying to convince benicio del toro that they should just walk away yeah i think we were supposed to feel that he and Juliet lewis had some sort of rapport because they're playing cards and whatever but yeah we don't see that we just get the tail end of it when Benicio del Toro yeah. walks in on him playing cards, but we don't actually see anything develop between them. So there's something kind of implied there, but we don't really feel it. 
but I think that's what was going on because then he has this change of heart. But then they change hearts back in the other direction, like immediately afterwards. Yeah. So I'm not, yeah, right. confusing. So it's too many layers. Final gun, too many layers, too many double crosses. By the time they get to the end, you know, in this uh, horror house, they're having this final gunfight. I mm-hmm. didn't know who had what agenda at that point in time, <laughs> who was tr- trying to achieve what. It was just a mess. And I yeah, just by the time you get there, fatigue. yeah, there's so many, yeah, so many threads coming together. You know what I did like about that though was how um, James Conn had his own like army of of old guys. Like he summoned the entire retired police force. It looked like. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I thought that was hilarious. And he uh, escaped unscathed, right? James Conn mm-hmm. did. Yeah, he gets away yeah. at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I wished that they gave him more interesting dialogue to say. He's always a compelling presence on screen, and yeah, you know, he sh- he shows here that he still got it. But um, even the dialogue they gave him was just so so cliched and stilted. It was just yeah. not not interesting. Yeah, he's he's probably the best part of this movie. I like him. Yeah, I like seeing him. Yeah. And Benicio Totoro is good. I mean, he's hot. He's hot in this movie. Um, yeah, he's good. He's great. I mean, all, everybody's, everybody's fine. It's, it's, it's just like uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of things standing in the way of it being being really great. great. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about Wild at Heart. Okay. So this was my pick and pairing. So how how did I do, Sam? How, how did you like the pairing? Um, I mean, as a pairing, I can't say that I really felt that these movies spoke to each other. I liked the movie. I enjoyed it. Um, I probably enjoyed it more than Way of the Gun, actually. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't see that they were speaking to each other all that much. So do you want to tell me why... What was your line of reasoning? Why'd you, why'd you decide that these two would go together? Yeah, again, it was kind of very superficial, uh, looking for uh, two people um, in a criminal enterprise or on the run or on, the, on a road trip um, with some kind of criminal intent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just occurred to me that this would be a good one to uh, pair with uh, your pick and also... Um, Again, as usual, gets gets you to watch something that I like and um, get that I um, believe and confirmed you hadn't seen and get your take on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love David Lynch. Um, I love his um, unpredictability. Um, this was uh, filmed right around the time that uh, Twin Peaks, the TV show, had come out, mm-hmm. and I'm a, a huge Twin Peaks fan. Um, it's kind of on the cusp of being like a conventional type of a mystery TV show and something that's just way off beat and, uh, and beyond the pale. And Wild at Heart is kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a pretty linear story. You can follow it uh, extremely well. And it's got these, you know, surreal touches uh, throughout that just kind of build and build and build until it gets, you know, just completely bonkers mm-hmm. um, uh, from time to time. 
Yeah, it um, it is pretty linear. There were some things that didn't, to me, didn't seem like they paid off at the end, though. Like, who's that? Mm-hmm. Um, who's the guy everybody's scared of? That um, after um, Laura Dern's mom hires uh, Santos or, or gets gets her, yeah, that guy. So he's supposed to be like this super dangerous dude, and then at the end, he doesn't even show up. So that was just kind of like yeah. a, like nothing happened out of that. But I mean, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that because I like a movie that doesn't feel the need to necessarily pay everything off because right. life doesn't pay. Life is often not symmetrical in that way, and so that's fine. So maybe. Maybe I don't have a problem with it. It was just like he was introduced as this villain who then doesn't even show up at the end. Right. Yeah. It's a little unfocused in that regard. The real villain and the person, the character you're supposed to focus on, I think, is the antagonist, is the mother of Mm -hmm. Laura Dern's character. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, Who uh, was played by Diane Ladd and is chewing scenery with her eyelids. She (laughs) is just... Just eating it up from one side of the screen to the other. Um, just a, uh, a remarkable, remarkable performance yeah. that she turns in. Um, completely fearless. Yeah. She kind of pulls the strings from afar, though. She's more like a like a distant antagonist. And then the immediate danger comes in other forms, like Willem Dafoe. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. And he only shows up very late in the picture. He's got third billing. Yeah. But he shows up very late in the picture. Yeah. So um, Nick Cage plays Sailor. Laura Dern plays Lula. Um, They're star-crossed lovers. Um, uh, They, um, uh, as we already noted, uh, Sailor kills a man who, uh, it it turns out, Lula's mother uh, has hired to kill Sailor um, at a dance. He goes to jail when he gets out. Lula picks him up and they uh, immediately break parole and go on the run. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Lula's mother uh, sets off in pursuit with uh, some some uh, henchmen to uh, to bring her bring her daughter back and get rid of Sailor once and for all. That's basically the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's just full of full of incident and, as I said, surreality. Um, weird dialogue you know typical for a lynch film mm-hmm. uh people talking in donald duck voices um uh, weird uh flashback cuts weird um color um saturation it's mm-hmm. uh it's quite an amazing quite an amazing film mm-hmm. it's based on a series of books or it's based on a book uh by uh, a person called barry gifford um, and I guess he wrote eight books in a in this series of of uh, books uh, about these characters, Sailor and Lula. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always wanted to to read them, so I actually picked up a, a volume of a collection of of the novels. There are eight of them um, in a in a single volume, and uh, I'm looking forward to to diving in and and seeing seeing how the how the books. Uh, uh, read. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. The best part of this movie was just Wild at Heart. 
the best part of this movie, I think, was just watching um, Nicolas Cage and Laura Dern on screen together. I think that was their the energy that they bring to it was just tons of fun. I liked it. Yeah. And he actually, you know, Cage, he's got his moments, but he actually plays it kind of straight. Um, yeah. He's he's doing an Elvis, you know, takeoff um, throughout, but, you know, he's he's playing it pretty straight. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got his moments of high octane Cage. Um, and uh, Laura Dern is uh, just amazing, I think, in this mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish um, she had more to do. She spends a yeah. lot of the movie in bed. A lot of the movie in bed. Um, there's, there's, I don't know, four, four sex scenes or so. Yeah, um, well, that's not even what I mean. She's laid up for like, I don't know, a third of the movie. Once yeah. they get to that, yeah. once they get to that little town, she's like in bed for the rest of the movie. In in that hotel room, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I yeah, I found my, I loved her performance. I found myself wishing she had, yeah, more to just her character had more to do. And that they were more of a unit almost, but they're they're actually separated for a good chunk of this film, just kind of because Nicholas Cage is off doing whatever he's doing, and then Laura mm-hmm. Dern just kind of waits around for him to get back. But um, yeah, so I just that that was one thing I was like, but, but what is what is, you know she doesn't have anything going on this character. She just kind of waits around for her man to get back. Yeah, yeah, but she has a lot of great dialogue, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This movie does not pass the Bechtel test, right? But, um, but she has some amazing dialogue, mm-hmm. and I, I love you know some of the scenes that I really love is when it's just the two of them um, talking about their childhoods or their their histories um, and the weird stories they relate to each other, and mm-hmm. how Lynch works in the flashbacks in relaying those stories i mean sometimes the flashbacks come before the dialogue explaining what you're seeing in the flashback right um it's just such an interesting way that he approached that mm-hmm. um <laughs> did you did you like the scene where they were talking about smoking and how sailor uh, lula asks sailor <laughs> he started smoking and he said i think i started around four <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, when he's four years old yeah oh man yeah it is fun because they're they're like when they're together they're kind of wholesome in their own way and then they're telling these horrific these horror stories from their past yeah yeah it's uh it's pretty deranged Mm -hmm. and uh i love his line after he talks about smoking when he was four he says i didn't have much parental guidance (laughs) It's good. Uh, it's good. Sam, I, Sam you had yeah. some parental guidance, right? Yeah, I did. I didn't. I wasn't smoking when I was four. Okay, glad to hear it. Definitely not. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, Nicholas Cage is so much fun. His Elvis impression is a lot of fun. I like the part where they're uh, they're dancing early on in the movie, where they're dancing and then he starts singing. That was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my my. Um, snippet of of Elvis at the beginning was an homage to the closing credits of this film which I think are just uh, among the most amazing closing credits of any movie ever to be honest you think so um I just love it yeah wow absolutely love it wow my gosh no not not for you no well I didn't really buy it when he decides to leave 
he he gets out of jail. He reunites with Laura Dern, and she's got their kid, who's like six years old now. And uh, he comes apparently to this realization that maybe it would be better if he just left. And I honestly didn't buy that. I was like, this makes yeah. no fucking sense. So I didn't really care for it because from that point on, it was just like, okay, what's going to happen to bring him back? You know, there's not that much of this movie left, so what's going to happen? And then, you know, the good witch descends, and I get it. Like, there was a, um, they're playing the Wizard of Oz um, metaphor for the entire movie, and I get it, but also, yeah, I just didn't, I didn't buy that he would have left in the first place, to be honest. So it undercut the gravity of the moment where they're reunited for the second time uh, at the very end. It undercut that for me a little bit because I was like, yeah, that should have just happened earlier. Like, that's what should, yeah, I don't know. Um, Yeah. So it didn't quite work for me because I just didn't believe that Nicolas Cage would do that Hmm. at the end. What did you think of the Wizard of Oz? You call it a metaphor. I don't even think it's metaphorical. I mean, it's very overt um, uh, throughout the film that their journey is, you know, a parallel to... Dorothy's in the Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean metaphors can be overt. What, I don't think they have to be subtle. Yeah. What did you? But what did you think of that? Yeah, it's fine. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't necessarily. Yeah, I don't know. I I guess I if I had to, if I had to try and figure out where David Lynch's was coming from in that when he decided to go with that, I guess it's sort of as a way to excuse the magical realism part of it and make it and mm-hmm. make it, you know, just, it adds that whimsical element that then allows you to go in all these other directions. Um, but yeah. you know, I don't know. It's like, I don't, I honestly don't know how much it adds for me. The parts I liked the most were probably where she's imagining her mom as the wicked witch. I thought that was a lot of fun, mm-hmm. but it would have been better yeah. if they had the wicked witch of the West, music over those scenes but i don't think they did well no you know they did not that would have been great i would have loved that but um so i i I enjoyed i enjoyed that aspect of it but then there's the part where like she's wearing she's wearing red heels at one point and she clicks her heels together and it's like i get it but also i don't know what's that supposed to be adding to this scene you know yeah did you like when her mother uh, colored her whole face yeah i wanted to throw up when she did that. <laughs> and that's not the only time I that's wanted to throw amazing. up in this movie. Made me nauseous. Yeah. A few different times. Yeah. Well, like, there was actually literal puke on the carpet at one point. Right? Oh, that's true. But that's not even, you know, that was fine. <laughs> yeah. It's more like these grotesque characters where it's like her covering her face with lipstick and just the way she acts makes me want to throw up. And then yeah. uh, Willem Dafoe, he's like disgusting. He's got no teeth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not that I mean, I don't know. We don't have teeth. I guess I'm sorry. But <laughs> they made him look gross. They knew it. Yeah. On the other hand, Cage looks like a matinee idol in this film. Yeah, he looks great. I love his oh, I love the line about the jacket. I love the line about yeah. the jacket. Snake skin jacket. Yeah. 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 That was great. Yeah. Yeah. So that's our pairing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what we typically do now is highlight reel. Yeah, but I think we decided to get rid of that last time. 
Oh, no highlight reels. Mm-hmm. Well, then never mind. Let's go on to honorable mentions. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, well, before we do that, do you think this is a good double feature? Yeah, would let's, you, uh, in yeah. your theater, would you show this as a double feature? Um, I honestly wouldn't. Um, I don't think, and it's entirely possible that things could change on re- on upon repeat viewings, but I don't have the uh, um, the love for Wild at Heart that you clearly do. And Way of the Gun, I was, as I've said a couple times, I was not as taken with it as I was when I first saw that movie. So I would, I probably wouldn't program either of these movies, if I'm being honest, um, at my at my hypothetical art house theater. What about you? Uh, I don't think it's a good pairing uh, for a double feature, um, and I would, in heartbeat, program Wild at Heart with something. And I have some ideas about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can talk about that if we get to honorable mentions. Yeah, um, let's do that. What do you got? So, for Way of the Gun, I mean, very obvious choice choices would be uh, Butch Cassidy, mm-hmm. the Sundance Kid, mm-hmm. and Thelma and Louise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, clearly, uh, you know, pair uh, pairs on the run, uh, criminal. Um, uh overlay um i think i think either of those could be good um uh, uh direct pairings uh with way of the gun mm-hmm. uh and i think everybody uh listening to this podcast probably knows those films very well uh what about you you got any any for way of the gun i honestly forgot to do the honorable mention segment um i was trying to think of some offhand um mm-hmm. But I honestly can't. I mean, those two that you said, that makes total sense. Um, Butch Cassidy sense. paired with this movie. Do you? Did you realize that? It's funny you say that because do, do you realize that those the main characters in Way of the Gun are named after Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? No, no. What are their names? Their names are Parker and Longbow, which are Butch Cassidy uh-huh. and Sundance Kid's real names in real life. Ah, uh, uh, son of a gun, son of a gun. Yeah, very obvious. <laughs> So I had one more honorable mention that uh, I think would pair okay. very well with Way of a Gun and is a better movie in my opinion, and that's from Dust Till Dawn. Oh, I just watched that recently, not mm-hmm. for the first time, but I had seen it before. Yeah, yeah, that's it's uh, fun movie. I like vampires. Yeah. Likes vampires. It's uh, you know starts as kind of the same kind of outlaws on the run, uh, road trip kind of a film, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think is. Uh, ultimately more successful than way of the gun it would be fun to do uh it would be fun to do two movies sometime that both take a total left turn mm-hmm. like that movie does that'd be kind of fun yeah yeah we'll yeah. have to think about that um as far as wild at heart the only thing that comes to mind immediately is natural born killers but i don't even really like that movie if i'm being honest so uh yeah. i wouldn't Talk i can't say yeah, for real. I wouldn't. I can't say I would pick that. It's just something that came to mind as um, similar in concept. There's also um, what's that movie with um, Martin Sheen uh, and Stacy oh, Sissy Spacek? I know what you mean. Yeah, Bad Badlands. Um, so it would work well with that, and that's a movie I enjoy quite like. Mm-hmm. Quite like Badlands. So that's a good pick. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, Lovers on the Run. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a good genre. I enjoy it. Lovers on the Run. Would yeah. you pick uh, um, Wizard of Oz to pair with it? Interesting. They aren't really lovers on the run. They're more like four weirdos on the run. 
Yeah, but they're obviously, um, well, I don't know if Wizard of Oz is in conversation with Wild at Heart, but certainly the other way around is true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a one-sided conversation. <laughs> yeah. I'm oh, talking funny. to you. I'm talking to you. Hey. Yeah. Uh, anything else you'd pair? Uh, I think that's all I got. Okay. Well, I believe it's your pick if you want to go ahead and tell me what you got. All right. So we've done a number of different things. We've done horror. We've done um, crime thrillers. Um, we've done, what else have we done? Nothing. That's, um, that's it, I think. That's all we've done. We don't branch we've out Jeff much Bridges. Here. Maybe we should. <laughs> Jeff Bridges. I'm going to branch out. The genre that is Jeff Bridges. Yeah, we've done that. The genre that is Jeff Bridges. Yeah, let's I've do something different. So many. Throw me a curveball here. Sam, I'm, I'm keeping a list on yeah. my phone. It's called Podcast Ideas. Yeah. Do you know how many Jeff Bridges movies are on that list? At a least lot. three. Unbelievable. I, I was amazed at how many Jeff Bridges movies are on my list. Yeah. It's, yeah. I love Jeff Bridges. And Bring it on. Is this a Jeff Bridges movie that you're is, about to give me? It is not a Jeff Bridges What about movie? that one where they all shout at each other for like 10 minutes at the end? You know what I'm talking about? I love that one. <laughs> I I don't remember that movie, but I know that scene because the shouting it's, went on for so long. Okay. It was in the middle of telling you my next movie. So my next movie is going to be a departure from uh, the genres that we've dealt with so far. It does not star Jeff Bridges. It's called Hair. It's a musical. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. I have not seen it. I didn't think you had. So we're going to watch Hair. Okay. Musical. Um, Very good. 1979, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by Milos Forman. Mm-hmm. Starring Treat Williams. And I'm anxious to hear what you think about Hair. Hair. And so, and I'm also anxious to hear what you'll pair hair with. Pair How with will hair. you pair hair? What will you pair with hair? Cool. Okay. Musical. I like it. Mm-hmm. Very good. Anything else before we do our outro, Dad? I don't think so. Shall I sing more of Love Me Tender? Covered all the bass. Yeah. Do you want to take us out? I'll take you. Is that a Love Me Tender? The rest of Love Me Tender. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for this episode. So thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We're just starting out this podcast, so it really helps us out. Uh, If you want to tell us what you think of the show, or if you have thoughts, suggestions, or if you want to tell us what you would have paired with either of these movies, you can send an email to likemoviespod at gmail.com. I need need something to say after that. I need to put a bullet here. What do I say after that? I don't know. You need a tagline. Uh, right. We need a tagline like the dude abides. He has that. That's his tagline. We need our tagline. Yeah, we can't use that. Well, no, I wasn't saying we should. I was just saying that's an example of a tagline. (laughs) That's what I was saying. Okay, well, we can come up with one later. But for now, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. For my darling, I love you. And.